This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. So as the weather warms up, we're outside gardening or doing yard work. There are so many opportunities for skin issues, right? And for me, it's always a mystery to know what's going to irritate my skin, but I'm definitely out there itching and scratching. But the good news is active skin repair always seems to save the day. Active skin repair can be used to treat a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, and other types of skin damage. It's also safe and non-toxic, making it suitable for use on all skin types, all parts of the body, and even on rosacea, eczema, and acne-prone skin. Here's what I want you to do. Visit ActiveSkinRepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and get 20% off your order when you use code JOYFUL. Again, that's www.ActiveSkinRepair.com. Find out more about the product and get 20% off your order when you use the code JOYFUL. Hey, what is up, podcast listeners? I am so glad that you have found yourself at the Joyful Courage Podcast. This is a place where we celebrate real and raw conversations about raising kids with conscious parenting and positive discipline. I'm your host, Casey O'Rourke. I'm a facilitator. I'm a parent coach. Most importantly, I am a mom of two teenagers and I am walking the path of more mindful, intentional parenting right alongside of you. Please know that this podcast is created for you. I create it for you and for our community. And if you love it, Feel free to share it with all of your family and friends over social media. Let's spread the word. Let's get as many people as possible listening to this show. Please write a review on Apple's podcast, formerly known as iTunes, and join the Patreon community where parents just like you are contributing just a small little amount each month to the show and enjoying perks like monthly webinars and community conversations about the content you hear on this podcast. Check the show notes for links and more details on all of that. I'm so, so grateful that you are here and now enjoy the show. Hi, listeners. My guest today is Megan Wilson. Megan is the founder of Whole Family Rhythms, and she is living out her mission of helping other mothers, caregivers, and educators to create more clarity and balance within the home. Megan's website and seasonal guides provide support, information, and resources on conscious parenting inspired by the earth, the seasons, and each family's own unique values. Together, a community of over 25,000 like-minded mothers and educators gather each day on her Instagram feed to discuss parenting with love, connection, and rhythm. Hi, Megan. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. You are welcome. Please let the listeners know more about you and how you have found yourself doing what you do. Sure. So, um, yeah, I have four children and they are now 10, 8, um, five and a half and four. And when my first child was born, uh, I started kind of researching um, alternative parenting methods, we could say. Mm -hmm. And I came across Waldorf education and brought him to a little parent and child class when he was about two. And I just fell in love with, uh, 
that philosophy. And from there, uh, I began studying Waldorf early childhood education. I was in Australia at the time because my husband's Australian and all my kids were born in Australia. Uh, and I did those studies. And then, um, you know, I kept having babies. So I, <laughs> I didn't do any work with, the, I didn't work in a school per se, but um, uh, when my I was pregnant with my third, I had this huge surge of creative energy and inspiration. And I had been working really hard um, on creating this like flow and family rhythm within our home with um, two young children at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, I decided to kind of share that concept. And so I created the seasonal guides that are now, um, you know, they're hugely popular. They're available for both hemispheres because the seasons are obviously um, opposite. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's where my business was born. And that's where my passion has been for, you know, almost 10 years now. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I, I love what I do. It's, it's so, I'm so grateful for the work that I do because every day I wake up and I have, you know, often, especially the past few months, a lot to do, but I feel so excited and passionate about it and helping families around the world to find this kind of rhythm within their homes and a rhythm that's inspired by their own unique values instead of what other people might be uh, saying that they should be doing. Yeah. I have a lot of clients, even just this morning, talking to a client about things feeling chaotic and looking for, I think, flow and rhythm. Like it just, even as I say that, I kind of rock back and forth and, mm -hmm. you know, find that kind of Zen <laughs> mindfulness place. Will you talk a little bit about what living with the rhythms of the earth and the seasons, like what does that mean to you? How do you present that to parents? So it's really just about um, observing what's going on outside and connecting with nature um, as often as possible so that um, we, you know, when we celebrate a festival that's unique to our family culture, mm -hmm. you know, we look at, you know, how is that festival, uh, how is it represented in what's happening around the world at that time. So, you know, you know, for example, Easter's coming up and we have these symbols, these beautiful symbols of rebirth, like the egg. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, some people grow Easter grass, which is like this kind of spring brand new grass that's coming through. So there's this reflection between these human ways that we celebrate with each other and we connect with each other and what's happening in nature. Um, and the rhythm part is creating these traditions within our family that then repeat year after year, season after season. So what does that look? Can I ask, what does that look like at your house? Like, what does Easter look like at your house? Sure. Yeah. Um, so right now, I mean, even if we put Easter a little bit to the side because it's sure. in a month. Sure. But right now, today, uh, our children are on spring, what you guys call spring break. Mm -hmm. um, and What do you call uh, it? Uh, March break. Okay, got it, got it. <laughs> <laughs> so we decided we'd go for a big nature walk. And mm -hmm. uh, we live on a, um, it's about a 10 acre farm now, but we have lived in the city mo for most of my children's lives. And we've just done this big kind of uproot into uh, a rural area, which is so beautiful. Mm -hmm. It has its positives and negatives. Mm -hmm. But 
so we decided to go for a big walk today and just be. Mm-hmm. And so we walked through the forest. We found a little trail and we observed what was happening. We could hear the birds singing. You know, there's a lot of snow melting and water flowing into rivers. And that's kind of the beginning. That That's something that we have always done. We go on these walks um, with our children since they were really young and they were just in carriers. And um, that's how I think that they really experience what's happening in the outer world and the changes. And they can feel and see and smell these changes that are happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and then within the home, when we're celebrating, you know, a festival like Easter, we are not particularly religious. Mm-hmm. I would I would describe us as spiritual. So mm-hmm. we don't go to church um, and we don't, you know, really read the Bible even. Mm-hmm. But both mm-hmm. my husband and I were uh, given this kind of Christian, uh, we have this Christian ancestry. So mm-hmm. we do celebrate the Christian festivals in our own unique way. Mm-hmm. So um, at Easter time, we will have family over, we'll gather together, you know, we'll say a blessing, like something, uh, thanking the earth for our food. Mm-hmm. We'll have decorations. We usually uh, paint Easter eggs up to a couple weeks before that. The kids are so excited about the painting the Easter eggs uh-huh. and doing those those crafts that I have to kind of hold them off for a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, and we plant uh, wheat grass. So if you go to a, um, a health food store and you buy wheat, uh, like the actual kernels Uh and you soak it for a few days, it will sprout. And if you plant that in some soil, it actually sprouts up into that beautiful um, lush wheat grass that you would Mm. see at like a juice shop. Um, And we plant that in kind of shallow bowls and we have that on display on our table with maybe a couple decorative eggs and, uh, you know, a few things that might mark that start of spring, some moss that mm-hmm. we found outside, um, a bird's feather, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So it's just really looking at, um, for us, it's looking at what's going on outside and um, giving thanks for it. You know, we're also preparing our garden around this time. We're just about to start, um, you know, pulling out our seeds and starting to sprout the seeds inside before we transplant them into the garden. Uh, so, you know, for us, this is actually like a spiritual kind of like reverent mm-hmm. experience if we intentionally connect with what we're doing. I love that. And I hear just in the way that you talk about the detail that the celebration includes, I hear some value around connection, connection to each other, connection to the earth. Um, I hear, I hear family values showing up simply in the way that you are choosing into celebrating this time of year. So how do family values, I know that's another part of your work and something that you support parents with. And it's also something that I support parents with because, you know, it's all well and good to have your, you know, to have your values. I think it's a lot different when you decide, not a lot different, but even more intentional when you decide, okay, you know what? I'm actually going to write those values out. It's another step when we come together with our partners and say, like, let's talk about our values. And then there's, you know, that final step of living, actively living into our family values and, and weaving it into the fabric of the way that we hold space in our family. So yeah, talk Mm -hmm. a little bit about 
rhythms and values in the in the home? What do you how do you speak into that with the people that you work with? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I so very often start everything with connecting to your family values. You know, I feel like it's the foundation of everything else uh, because, you know, sometimes parents come to me with questions about, uh, you know, the way that they're holding boundaries for their children. Mm-hmm. And I really feel that if you feel really strongly and, and you're connected with the reason why you might be holding that boundary, which usually, you know, has to do with your values, your family values, then you can hold the boundary much uh, easier. Mm -hmm. And so I do advise parents to um, first just in this, you know, very dreamy um, journaling, you know, just uh, writing everything down, every Mm -hmm. word that you can imagine that's really important to you guys. It could be like phrases or it could be specific words, um, you know, like you could write down gratitude, reverence, or you could write down, you know, going, getting outside every day, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. just comes to your mind, uh, write it all down and then start looking at your daily rhythm and see how your daily and your weekly life lines up with those values. And you'll also begin to see when there's, you know, something not quite working, well, maybe it's not really truly aligned with our values and that's why it's not working. And So even something as simple as an extracurricular activity Mm -hmm. that's, you know, you feel like it's such a drag to get there. Your children are complaining about it. And, you know, you're wondering, why are we even doing this? Why do we take them to this sport, for example, and, you know, go through all the motions and maybe the children aren't totally enjoying it and you're having to, you know, um, make all these sacrifices to get them there. And it's like, okay, let's sit down with um, our partner and talk about, you know, what the vision was when we signed up for the extracurricular and maybe the extracurricular needs to change or our perspective needs to change or whatever it is, you know, it always comes back to this uh, value. And I also feel like warmer, sunnier days are calling. Thank God. Spring into summer is my favorite time of year. After turning 50 last September, I've been really working on my physical health and well-being and can honestly say that I am feeling better in my body than I have felt in a very long time. Yes, credit goes to movement and working out, but even more credit goes to how I'm feeding my body. That's why I love Factor. I fuel up with Factor's no prep, no mess meals, 35 different meal choices, and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. I always have a new flavor to explore. It's amazing. You can crush your wellness goals this May, keep time in the kitchen to a minimum, and enjoy effortless support for the lifestyle you want to be living with dietitian approved meals and ingredients you can trust from Factor. Head over to factormeals.com slash joyful50 and use the code joyful50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code joyful50 at factormeals.com slash joyful50. Again, that's 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yes, yes, yes. Join me. Join me in the health revolution and feel really good this summer. 
Hey friends, as a podcast listener myself, I always get so excited to share when I find a new show that I think is super useful. So today I want to tell you about Understood Explains. This is a podcast that tackles one important topic per season. And this season is all about navigating individualized education plans and is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Ertube. Getting the support our kids need in school can feel tricky, and we aren't always sure what it is that they need. When I listened to the episode titled, Does My Child Need an IEP? It offered up so much useful information that I could really see supporting parents who are in this consideration. The host is so knowledgeable and really breaks down the content in a way that helps listener go from completely overwhelmed to actually starting to feel empowered. Other episodes in the series highlight the difference between IEPs and 504 plans, as well as a whole episode that busts common myths about special education. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains wherever you listen to podcasts. That's Understood Explains. So check it out. You won't be sorry. Connecting with your family values is this parenting partner exercise. So, uh, you know, for most people, it, it will be the, the husband and wife dynamic, but very often or, or wife, wife, husband, husband, whatever mm -hmm. it is. But mm -hmm. often it's, you know, um, parents and grandparents that take care of the kids once a week or it's um, the parents and a caregiver like a nanny or, you know, someone like that where you really should, I think, take an opportunity to connect um, adult to adult and discuss what those family values are because you are all parenting together. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I'm just thinking about those parents that perhaps are choosing into what looks like an alternative parenting philosophy to mm -hmm. the, you know, the older generation, the grandparents. And I mm -hmm. imagine that, and you know, our parents love to give us their opinion. And I imagine that when we're really solid in our values and when our why is grounded in our values, it becomes a lot easier to navigate those conversations with our parents around, well, I'm choosing into this not because, you know, I'm just weird or you know, <laughs> I remember I chose to, you know, use a midwife and a birth center for the birth of my daughter, my first child. Um, and my mom was very much like, what are you even talking about right now? But I mm. knew that I wanted her to be there. And so I sent her... I sent her the Bradley Childbirth book and I said, I want you to come. You have to read this. And then she proceeded to stay with us for the week after the baby was born. And I feel like in that week, she got to know me and my husband in this in such a deeper level. And I feel like her opinion of my choices went from, I don't understand, this is weird, to, mm -hmm. oh, my daughter is actually making informed choices that are a part of what, you know, that are connected to, to what it is that she values. And granted, mm -hmm. there was some overlap and some non-overlap, but it, it, it allowed space for my mom to respect the choices that I was making, not because simply because I'm her daughter, 
which should mm-hmm. be enough, but also <laughs> because like, oh, you have a why, like you have a foundation. This isn't just, you know, an extension of that teen brain. Uh, not that I was a teenager, but you know, I think it's, I imagine I don't have grown kids yet, but I can't imagine that we ever grow out of that feeling like I I might know better than you. I'm going to work really mm-hmm. hard to grow out of that. But mm-hmm. yeah, does that make sense? Oh yeah, definitely. I, I, I feel like it, simply put, it's this idea of being really authentic in yourself and yeah. having taken the time to know, you know, why you feel you, the way that you do mm-hmm. about certain aspects of your life and your family rhythm and the way that you are with your children. And that the more time that you take to really center yourself in your, your why, like you said, mm-hmm. the more authentic you are. And then, you know, as you said, your mom understood that she Mm -hmm. like really sensed it spending some time with you and your husband. Yeah. Yeah. It was good stuff. So, and I think this is, you know, something I've started to work more and more with families of teenagers. And when talking about toddlers and preschoolers and even school age kids, we talk a lot about routines and Mm -hmm. routines being, you know, really proactive work that we can do to just bring more peace into the home, specifically around times of day that maybe the rhythm or the flow feels off and there's Mm -hmm. some chaoticness going on. I think the same is true when we have, you know, older kids, teenagers, I think absolutely there are areas where we can co-create routines with them that support in the ways that they contribute to the home or, you know, use screens or, you know, just fill in the blank. Um, Mm -hmm. why, how do you talk about routines with the people that you work with and, and are they something that, you know, cause I think about, yes, the larger rhythm and flow of, of being in connection with, you know, what's happening in the external environment in the, in nature and seasonally, but also simply like how it looks, what our morning looks like, what bedtime looks like. How do you talk Mm -hmm. about routines? Yeah. So with, with, the younger children, which is often who I am talking about, and I'm mm-hmm. talking with to parents with children kind of up to the age of seven, it is this almost hour by hour routine. And the reason why we call it a rhythm is because the times might change um, depending on what's happening that day, but generally the order of events is still the same. So mm-hmm. it's this flow uh, in Waldorf, we often describe it as this in-breath, out-breath. And they, they use the same flow philosophy all the way up through high school, mm-hmm. this concept of um, having an in-breath moment and an out-breath moment. So mm-hmm. a moment of introspection, a moment of uh, quiet with young children. That's often a time where uh, their teachers or their parents are leading them through an activity uh, or it's a rest time or it's even a meal time. And then there's um, this out breath, which is this huge um, expansion. And for young children, it's um, free play. You know, they're uh, they can play freely outside or inside and direct themselves. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas older children, it might be, you know, more of a, um, a sport or something a little bit more competitive or a debate or, um, 
I don't even know. I don't I don't have teenagers yet, but I'm I'm imagining You will one day. <laughs> I know. <laughs> um but yeah, so there's this contraction and expansion throughout mm-hmm. the day. And, um, you know, you touched on teenagers, but I think also as carers and parents, just as human mm-hmm. beings, we need these in-breaths and out-breaths and this constant rhythm and um, these rituals too. So I'd say that our day is structured where, you know, we wake up around the same time, then we usually have a, a breakfast, then we, you know, get ready to go out to school or if we're home schooling, stay at home or whatever it is. And every day is the same, except maybe there are like these slight variances depending on the day of the week. That would be ideal for a child in early childhood because then they, because their uh, concept, their understanding of time is, they, they just really don't really have a great grasp and understanding yeah. of how time flows. It's so comforting for them and it, it helps them to feel so secure mm-hmm. knowing what the rhythm or the day is going to present based on what happened the day before and the day before. And every day is, you know, very, very similar, yeah. uh, especially, you know, bedtime routines, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like every day we have um, dinner, we go upstairs and have a bath, we read a book and then uh, we say goodnight. You know, it's uh it's the same thing every day. And the truth is that that is so important for adults too, but we kind of try and escape from that natural rhythm Mm -hmm. and, you know, play with that. But I know for myself, if I go to bed at the same time every night and I, you know, I have this whole ritual of when the kids are down, I go and I make my chamomile tea and I come upstairs and I might look at my phone for a bit and read a book and, you know, my lights are out by 9.15. I feel so good Mm -hmm. after a couple weeks of really sticking to that and uh, when things get thrown it it really affects me joyful courage fans and followers i am so excited i'm so excited that i had to interrupt this fantastic interview to say tomorrow pre-sale starts pre-sale of my book joyful courage calming the drama and taking control of your parenting journey starts tomorrow. Yes, 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 yes. And pre-sale, if you get in on the pre-sale of the book, you also will be gifted a companion guide, a PDF companion guide that you can download right away and use once you get the book to deepen the learning for yourself, to really dig in, explore what's true for you, reflect, get really connected with the content of the book, and just create learning that makes a huge difference in your life. So I'm super stoked. You can go on over to the website, joyfulcourage.com slash book right now, and you'll see advanced praise for the book. So I had all the people that I love, all of my mentors read the book and give me some feedback. And it's been amazing. So you can check that out. Also, you're going to want that link when the pre-sale goes live tomorrow, which is April 10th. And you can buy the book straight from there. Okay. And there'll be instructions there too, to support you in knowing how to get your hands on your companion guide. So yeah, 
what's happening. Thank you so much for all of your support and joy and celebration along the way. This has been a labor of love and I can't wait to share it with you. Yeah. Well, it's interesting, you know, and I know I was just talking to somebody about this. So, you know, you get to a point when your kids get older where their biological clock starts to shift a little bit and they stay. Mm -hmm. So right now, like that, what you just described for your evening sounds so dreamy. And I've got one kid that's up till like 1030, 11 o'clock. It is so challenging for me to wind down yeah. Yeah. And anyway. you don't want to just, yeah, I, yeah, I totally, it's wild. I, I can't imagine. <laughs> it's a really interesting in waking up at five thirty. Yeah. mode where <laughs> I remember, I remember. And so, um, I love that. And I really appreciate you touching on how important routines are for us. And I, I think that that safety piece, I mean, there's a reason why early childhood classrooms have the schedule and even elementary school classrooms, they put up the schedule because there is safety for, and not all kids, you know, I think it it varies how important that is. I think all kids thrive under consistency. And I think some kids really require that consistency whose temperaments mm-hmm. maybe are less easygoing. Um, yeah, so thank you for that. Great. Do you use any visuals or tools to support your kids in knowing what the rhythm is? Yeah. Yeah. What do you um, use? So at home, we I, we don't use them as much anymore because my mm-hmm. children are getting that little bit older. Yeah. But we do have these um, actually on the website these printables, daily printables, oh, where nice. you can choose what your um, theme of the day is. So it might be uh, Grandma Day on Mondays, and there's this little card with a picture of a grandma, mm. and we put it up um, either in a little holder where it just stands up, and you can laminate them. Um, or uh, a lot of people put them in their on their fridge in order, mm-hmm. you know, seven of them. And one of them, or, you know, some people make it as simple as for five school days, there's just a picture of a knapsack. And then mm-hmm. there might be a picture of the family for Saturday. Love and it. then a picture of the garden on Sunday, if you do gardening together on Sunday mm-hmm. or whatever it is. And just kind of assigning a very simple theme. Uh, it could be, you know, grocery shopping or going to the market on Sundays, whatever it is where you can find that there is like a very pretty consistent rhythm and you do that every week. Mm -hmm. Um, and that signals to them, it signals to them that that, that particular activity is going to happen, but they also have this kind of location the the memory that they do have is this location memory. And so if they can, if they know, okay, I'm going to grandma's house today, Mm -hmm. they can kind of remember, you know, they remember grandma's house and they remember, you know, what usually happens before we go to grandma's house Mm -hmm. and what usually happens afterwards. So that's enough to give them all of that security, those visuals. Um, we have played with, the same concept with those little visuals up for a little bit of, um, family chores at times Mm -hmm. when I've, I've been wanting to get them into a rhythm Mm -hmm. or maybe change our rhythm up. Then I'll put some visuals up to indicate, okay, we're going to get up, we're going to get dressed, brush our hair and make our beds. Mm -hmm. Um, but once that really just becomes a part of our daily rhythm and, you know, it's just in their bodies. We don't really use the visuals anymore because it's just uh, our daily habit. I love that. And I can imagine, you know, I'm still, I I love visuals for myself. 
mm-hmm. for, you know, I mean, it's interesting. Um, I've been using, I'm a positive discipline trainer and we talk about routines and have created routine charts, not charts, but like posters of the kids actually doing the things and, um, mm-hmm. and how they've evolved over time. I remember my daughter, I think she was in fourth grade and she finally just said, I am not putting pictures of myself on a poster mom like that's I'm not a baby anymore <laughs> and so we figured out like she created this whole after school thing where you know the hours between getting home from school and going to bed were broken down and you know if I said well you gotta take a shower twice at least twice a week so here's two little shower tickets and and she used uh, mm-hmm. Velcro and so she decided which days of the week that would happen and okay we're going to practice the piano at least three times when do you want to do it and so taking the concept of the visual that you're talking about and as they grow older you know slowly handing over that control because that's like the story of parenting right the slow mm-hmm. handover of control um but it was really supportive mm-hmm. yeah. yeah and those tickets really work they do like the kids love them because well it's like a two-way street like it's something visual for them to connect with and they mm-hmm. they feel like they're taking charge of their own rhythm yeah. and then i think they really do um you know unconsciously appreciate that then you're not always nagging and nagging you know yeah. they they know that that's now their responsibility and that you can also let go as the parent to a certain extent i've definitely yeah. experienced that more with my older children but i did observe in a waldorf kindergarten recently that the teacher has, I'm trying to think of what she, it was like a little almost necklace with um, like just a tiny drawing of a job for cleanup time. And each child had a specific job for maybe like that term Mm -hmm. um, at cleanup time because they really kind of uproot the entire classroom in their hour and a half free play. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then when it was time to clean up, she sang a song, which was this um, like audio cue that it was time to clean up. Mm -hmm. And uh, the teachers also always help to tidy up because then it's because uh, young children, you know, imitation is so important for them. But she also gave them this little like visual necklace, which was a reminder that, you know, that was their task. And they had the same task every day for her. That was really important. I've seen other teachers, you know, everyone can tidy up what they want and the teachers might assign people different tasks. But she really felt strongly that having that same task every day was Mm -hmm. going to help that tidy up rhythm a lot. So yeah, I I think visual cues, no matter what they are, are always very helpful. Yeah. And I, and I really appreciate the word helpful, right? Because we're still living with loving, teaching little human beings who have been gifted free will and it's messy. And sometimes, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes (laughs) they have different ideas than the rhythm (laughs) Mm -hmm. that is Mm -hmm. currently being presented. And I know that you um, write and speak about being a loving authority. So I know a lot of you out there listening have younger kids as well as teenagers in the house, and I'm excited to share with you about a new show that you and your younger kids are going to love. It's called Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as math. Every episode follows Max and Molly, who have just been recruited into a secret order of problem solvers on an adventure through time packed with puzzles, hidden equations, history, and laughs. The series 
explores themes like the stories behind math, critical thinking, code breaking, pattern solving, and so much more. Math is geared towards kids ages six and up and can be enjoyed by the whole family. Episodes drop every Thursday and are about 15 minutes long, the perfect length for a car ride, mealtime, break times, or bedtime. Each is stacked with so much laughter that your kids won't even realize how much they're learning. So tune into Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model. So that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. Mm-hmm. And I would love to hear from you what that means. Yeah, so um, I explain to people often, and I I got this from Kim John Payne, who's the uh, author of Simplicity Parenting, just so I don't claim it quite as my own. Mm -hmm. But um, he explains being a loving authority as uh, if you really connect, because people often kind of go, oh, I don't know, authority, it sounds like very dominant and domineering and, you know, like you're lording over your child. Um, But he explains it um, as... Uh, being the author of the boundaries that you're holding. So if you can imagine that, you know, you're creating this kind of bubble that is keeping your child safe and teaching your child, you know, how we behave socially and emotionally in the world, you know, and most of the time that's just modeling it yourself, like having the inner wisdom and inner knowing to model the behavior that you desire for your children. Mm -hmm. Um, But sometimes it might look like, you know, if you're really holding a boundary, uh, you know, allowing natural consequences to happen. And Mm -hmm. I'm I'm even wary about this idea of natural consequences because I think sometimes they can be skewed and they're not quite so natural. Oh, yeah. I'm with you. (laughs) Yes. We'll just call uh, it that. And ultimately, it's like, no, if you're doing anything, it is no longer a natural consequence. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, I'm with you. So there is this this idea. But um, an example that comes to mind was my daughter was in kindergarten and uh, she had just started and her um, they were transitioning from inside to outside and she really did not want to put her rain pants on and her snow pants. I, it was probably her snow pants on cause we had just moved from Australia. So it was like a new sensory thing that was mm-hmm. just too much for her. And, um, you know, the teachers had to hold the boundary that 
all children must wear their snow mm-hmm. pants and their uh, rain pants outside because it is absolutely wet and muddy and she would have been soaked within 30 seconds. Plus, there probably would have been a revolt from all the other children. Yeah. <laughs> one of them was able to go outside. So they they didn't scold her. They didn't, you know, lecture her at all, especially in early childhood. You know, they try to avoid using a lot of words. They just said, you know, it's time to go outside. We wear our snow pants outside Mm -hmm. and you may help uh, Miss Leah in the classroom while she's uh, cleaning up until you're ready to get your snow pants on. Mm -hmm. And it was simple as that. And she, you know, they're lucky because they have these, you know, more than one teacher on. So they had the ability to then redirect her. And that day she did help in the kitchen and she didn't go outside. And, um, for me as a parent hearing about that, I was like, Oh, that was like almost a consequence. Like that was a punishment in a way. But I spoke to her teacher about it and I was like, and she, and her teacher explained, and I was like, you know what? That's right. That's holding the loving boundary. That's their boundary. And they did it in the most loving and respectful way. It wasn't, they didn't treat it as a punishment. And she learned like very naturally the next day she went outside with her snow pants because Mm -hmm. she wanted to be with her friends. Mm -hmm. Um, So that is, you know, that's uh, loving boundaries in a nutshell. And I think when they get slippery or they're not working, it's because, again, like as carers, we don't have that inner conviction to hold the boundary. We're not sure why we're holding it. Um, An example might be like snacks right before dinner. If Mm -hmm. you let your kids have snacks before dinner and then every night you kind of regret it, it's, you know, you might be having this waffling inner dialogue in yourself like oh but they're hungry uh, <laughs> oh right? they're gonna or even, melt down if yeah exactly I was gonna say avoid the melt <laughs> like it's easier yeah. to just say yes and yeah yes exactly and so they you know they sense our inner waffling and there's no right or wrong answer really you know I mm-hmm. kind of I think there was a time when my children were so young that they really just had what some people would probably call more of a snack and then didn't have dinner like it was like a 4 30 4 45 p.m dinner that was more just like raw vegetables and some mm-hmm. scrambled egg or whatever it was, because that was my way to deal with it. But the point is, you just have to get really clear in your head about what boundary you're going to set and hold and what boundaries, you know, you're not going to have instead mm-hmm. of this kind of back and forth, because that's what's challenging for parents and also challenging for children. Yeah, we talk about parenting styles um, in positive discipline and we kind of do this whole activity where and it's on the in the context of kindness and firmness Mm -hmm. and that overly kind parent we would label as permissive, the overly firm parent as authoritarian and then Mm -hmm. that kind and firm parent, which I believe fits underneath loving authority being authoritative. And I remember I was like, God, it's annoying to me that authoritative and authoritarian are so close, like the the mm-hmm. actual makeup of the word. And so I wanted to find out like, what was that beginning of the word all about? And that author, the beginning of the word really is about leader leadership. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I think that there are, you know, quote, authority figures that really lean on power, like holding power over. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I'm the adult, you, I'm the boss, I'm the man, I'm the fill in the blank. And then there's leaders who step into leadership as 
yeah, I'm the leader and I'm going to treat you with dignity and respect. That's right. Yeah. And, and I totally feel like I, I'm very sensitive to words too, just mm-hmm. like that. And I always look the etymology up. Mm-hmm. Um, somebody went, just recently said in a, a, a teaching workshop I was at, you know, they said, no, you know, I am the boss of the five, five-year-old. And it really didn't resonate with me because the word boss right. feels so strong for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did, I looked up the word boss and it was bass, which is Dutch for master. And of course, like, oh. of course, that's why it doesn't resonate with me. Yeah. <laughs> but I would have described it as like, yes, I am your leader. I am your teacher. Right. I am your parent. I'm your guide. You know, I would yeah. have just chosen different words and yeah. maybe sometimes like it's still, we have the same meaning, but sometimes I, I feel that the word is important mm-hmm. that you connect with a word because it helps you to, to do the job. Yeah. Well, and I I think too, I have found and feel sometimes or have early on, you know, when we choose into positive parenting, positive discipline, gentle, peaceful, whatever you want to label this philosophy of parenting, there is this fear of authority, Mm -hmm. right? And so... And so there becomes this big swing into being permissive and nothing that you're talking about here sounds permissive to me. It sounds really supportive. And that's the other thing that I like to talk about because parents are always looking for what, quote, works. Mm -hmm. Well, what's going to work is that doesn't work. And I always invite them to shift a little bit and reframe that into, well, what's going to be helpful to your child? Because mm-hmm. ultimately that's what we're looking for, right? What's going to help them be at their best? What's going to help you be your best? And that's a totally different conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, Megan, thank you so much for coming on and talking to me about this. I'm so excited to get my own guides. I'm going to check out oh. your website <laughs> and look at your guides. And I just listening to you talk about Easter, we don't, we aren't, church going either. And, but I love the, I love the seasonal celebrations. And I also was kind of raised under this more Christian dominant culture. And I, I just all, I love that you shared what your routine is around that. And I'm excited to incorporate some of it. Um, Oh yeah. The Easter guide. I love the Easter guide too, because, and all of my festival guides, because I go into the history of the tradition and um, you know, how it kind of these festivals, they're not just yes. Christian, mm-hmm. they're pagan. And, Love you it. know, there's so many cultures. Uh, we're having, we have a new blog post coming up on Nowruz. I think that's how you say it. It's, um, it's Iranian New Year, and it's coming up on Thursday. And the, one of the traditions that they have is decorating eggs. Ah. So, So there are so many aspects of these festivals and these traditions that are universal. Yeah. Yeah. So that's why I think it's really important to connect with something higher than ourselves, even if we're not quite sure how to define it or we don't want to adhere to a specific religion. Mm -hmm. Um, And this is the way that I found where I can kind of find our universal spirituality and help model my connection to that for my children. Love it. So in the context of, you know, living with rhythm and flow in the home, what does Mm -hmm. joyful courage mean to you, Megan? Um, Joyful courage. So 
Uh, I actually, <laughs> I cheated a little bit. I looked up the word joy because I was oh, like, good. Joy. of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, I really like looking up words. <laughs> I love that. And it led me to rejoice, which mm. really made sense to me because when I first read, uh, what's, you know, thought, what's joyful courage? Um, I thought, you know, it's courage to live in that moment, you know, really uh, ground yourself in the present moment. And even if there is suffering around, even if your child is upset and you're holding a space for that, you know, you're really in the moment. And I think that the word rejoice kind of fits in there because it's this sense of gratitude. Mm. It's gratitude for uh, the present moment, no matter what it's bringing us. So it might not always be this like very happy joy, but it's uh, this sense of gratitude for the present moment. And having the courage to try and um, connect with that as often as we can during the day. Thank you. Love it. Please (laughs) remind listeners where they can find you and follow your work. Yeah, absolutely. So you can head to wholefamilyrhythms.com. Actually, I made a specific uh, landing page. So it's wholefamilyrhythms.com slash joyful courage. And I will add a few links to the um, journal entries that I mentioned and the Easter guide and anything else that um, came up in our conversation. I'll put right there on the landing page for everyone. Great. And listeners, you know that that will be in the show notes as well. Megan's uh, website. Where are you on social media? At Whole Family Rhythms on Instagram is kind of where the big party is and everybody <laughs> connects really well there. Awesome. Uh, and then I also have uh, Whole Family Rhythms on Facebook and Family Rhythms on Pinterest. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for spending time with me today. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you so much for having me. I loved it. <laughs> Joyful Courage community, thank you so much for tuning in each and every week. Big thanks and love to my team, including my producer, Chris Mann at Podshaper. Be sure to join the discussion over at the Live and Love with Joyful Courage group page, as well as the Joyful Courage business pages on Facebook and Instagram. Subscribe to the show through Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, really anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. Also, I mentioned Patreon at the beginning of the show. Check it out, www.patreon.com slash joyfulcourage. This is where you can contribute to the show and take advantage of patron perks like content-rich monthly webinars and deeper discussions about what's being shared on the podcast. You will like it, www.patreon.com slash joyfulcourage. Any comments or feedback? about this show or any others can be sent to Casey at joyfulcourage.com. I personally read and respond to all the emails that come my way. So reach out. You can also sign up for my biweekly newsletter at joyfulcourage.com. Just go to the website, sign up for that. Take a breath, drop into your body, find the balcony seat and trust that everyone is going to be okay. Big love to each and every one of you. Have a beautiful rest of your day. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. 
I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us.